Good morning and welcome. We're running just slightly late uh, because of um, the July 4th holiday and we observed that on July the 5th. So uh, that and we had General Assembly last week and I was busy running up and down the streets of Louisville. I got to meet a lot of good people. I want to say thank you for all the uh, people I got to meet and who came to the workshop for the women's uh, convention. I got to meet a lot of neat people, got to hear about a lot of neat things that our churches are doing to both minister to their community in ways which they raise money for like the Stott Wallace Fund or other things. Um, I'm going to share some of those later uh, through Facebook or different means, but it was neat to meet a lot of people and I'm, I'm real thankful I got to do that. So thank you for having me and I'm not going to get into a lot of resources this morning because like I said, we're running a little bit late as it is getting this posted and put up. So I just kind of want to jump into it. We're going to be studying from uh, Psalm 8 uh, and that's going to be for the July 11th uh, Sunday for the encounter. So again, that's going to be Psalm 8, and we're calling that the majesty of God in creation because uh, it's a good theme in the Psalms, and Dr. Qualls does another really good job. Our prayer for illumination today is, Holy God, speak through your creation. Your majesty and glory are known through the mountains and the valleys, the oceans and small rivers. Open to us the special revelation of your word today that we may know you more intimately and have cause to love you even more. Amen. And then our memory verse for today comes from Psalm 8, 4. What are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? So again, that's Psalm 8. Um, all right, so I'm going to jump into this introduction here. Like I said, Dr. Qualls does quite an amazing job again, so thanks uh, for, for that. Uh, but we're going to jump into the introduction. And in this introduction, um, Dr. Qualls talks about his life growing up as a country boy and his um, the experiences that he didn't have living in the city certainly didn't draw him away from God as creator and praise of God for all the creation that Dr. Qualls got to experience. And Dr. Qualls talks about, of course, uh, the sky and how big the sky was in the in the country, uh, in the country area that you didn't quite get uh, if you lived in the city. And uh, specifically, though, he writes about a time that he had in a high school creative writing class. And so I'm going to read this to you. In a high school creative writing class, we were asked to sit quietly and freely express our thoughts. I naturally looked up for inspiration, and this is what I wrote. I stare in wonder into the nothingness of a quiet, starlit night and suddenly I feel very small. What am I in? What am I in this vast universe? A tiny speck stuck by gravity to this planet, which is but the thinnest speck in a galaxy, which is only one of an infinite number of galaxies in this vast universe. And yet, God has chosen to make me the crown of creation and favor me with his love. I am overwhelmed. He goes on to write, it was a gift from heaven when I recently found this, among other handwritten tidbits of past creative writing. Miss Barnett had written some encouraging comments on my paper that made me smile back through 50 years of joyful experiences and joyful relationships. The years have mostly confirmed those early moments of awareness of my humble yet special place in God's cosmos. Did I mention that Miss Barnett was the pianist for the Little Cumberland Presbyterian Church that nurtured me? long before she became a high school English teacher. 
All right, so that's pretty much exactly what happened in Psalm chapter 8, right? So David uh, liked to reflect on God and to write poetry as an expression of God and to meditate about his place in creation um, when you think about how great God is and how great creation is. And so Psalm 8 uh, pushes us to think about who we are in God's world. And it's a big question when you consider the fact that we are really, really small in this universe. But for some reason, God has placed special importance on humanity by creating us in his image. So I'm wondering if you've ever sat or gone, you know, to somewhere in which it inspired this feeling of insignificance in your life. Um, this happens in nature for some people sometimes. I know when I went to Yosemite Park and um, I'm a Tennessee boy, so the biggest mountains I ever saw were the Smoky Mountains, and those those caused awe and wonder in me. But when I went to Yosemite Park and then I went to Rocky Mountain National Park, I thought, well, those, those are really big mountains. Like, those are big, and I'm very, very small. And you get this sense of awe and wonder. And then that awe and wonder, uh, if if we're intentional about it and we make it, a habit of seeing God's attributes in the things that God creates, we turn from, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, the creator, and an understanding of your place, that insignificance could lead to anxieties. It could lead to uh, the thought that we're not really all that important. But because we're in relationship with God, and because we have the revelation of God's word, we know that even though this world is really big, we also have a special place in it. We'll talk about that again here in a second. But I wonder, as a, just as a class, maybe you might bring up some times where you, you know, someone in your class was hit almost with the awareness or the, the awe or majesty of God because of something they experienced in creation or some event in their life that, um, that just simply shook them and said, wait, there's something bigger than me in this world? There's a line in a book from The Hitchhiker's Guide in the Galaxy, and one of the main characters was being asked about something, and, and his response was, if there's anything bigger in this place than my ego, I want it caught and shot, right? So, you know, that's the other thing is we might think we're the center of the universe, but a lot of times nature shows itself to be a lot bigger than us. All right, so then I'm going to go on to the... Um, Exploring the scripture section, and this is uh, Dr. Qualls brings up uh, how David, being a shepherd, you know, had lots of long nights that he could sit and reflect and think about um, the things he's seeing. And so David chose to think about the grandeur and majesty of God oftentimes. And what David would do would write what became these Psalms, these poet, you know, little snippets of poems or reflections. So what Dr. Qualls asked us to do in this exploring the scripture section would be um, to think about how you respond to God's glory. Um, this brings up our highlighted discussion question. Recall a time when you were inspired to be creative. What profound thoughts did God whisper to you? What did you create in response? 
Is God calling you to create something now? A poem, a painting, sculpture, writing, needlepoint, anything. But I think that's the point of, it's one of the points of, of creation. And when you read in the Psalms of how you meditate upon God or God's word, uh, I think uh, it's incumbent upon us as Christian educators or people who are seeking to be closer to God to learn how to meditate and to respond to the to the awesomeness or the majesty of God as we see it. So um, I would ask your class, what is it that inspires them? Um, and then how do they show that inspiration in awe of that which inspires them? So I live in Kentucky and and uh, many of our many of our uh, church members might not know a lot of theology, haven't reflected maybe too much on the glory of God. But if you if you ask them about like uh, Kentucky basketball, they know all the stats and they make sure that they watch every game and they have a group of people that they talk about the game with. And they're very passionate about Kentucky basketball. So God bless them for that. But what is it spiritually that we can train ourselves to um, respond when we see uh, attributes of God in creation or nature or in our lives? And so Again, what David did was he learned to write and to use vocabulary to describe both what he saw as God's attributes and then also the experiences that he had about with God or about God in his daily life. And so in class this week, maybe you bring up some different ways in which um, people can begin to apprehend the awesomeness and majesty of God, but then also contemplate on it to such the way that they can be creative in their expression, right? So like there's things like journaling that people used to do all the time. Basically what journaling would do would be to force you to pause and to think about, you know, just like writing, creative writing, pause and think about that which you've experienced and then put it into words. And there's something about just taking time and writing and reflecting on the on the goodness of God. Uh, one of the things that I learned uh, that I thought was neat, and I learned it long, long ago, maybe when I was 20 years old, we had a vacation Bible school that you um, put up a poster. You know, of course, at that time, that was before COVID and vacation Bible school lasted five days or so. But you would put up a poster and, it, and, you, and you wrote on it God sightings. And every day, you know, we would have our lesson on Monday or Sunday night and the kids would go home, wouldn't come back till Monday night. And what what they were asked to do was is from Sunday night by the time they left and Monday by the time they got back to vacation Bible school was to be alert and looking for something that they saw that God did. They called it God sightings. It might have been an act of grace or mercy. It might have been an act of love between child and parent. It might have been you know, a mountain, it could have been anything. But the point of the exercise was to write down and then to be conscious and to look for uh, God in people's everyday lives and their everyday life. And so I thought that was really good. And then the third thing that people can do is simply, you know, share with one another. Um, maybe once a week you get together with a friend, a pastor, an elder, your Sunday school teacher, you know, some other Christian and like, you know, our Kentucky fans like to sit and talk about a ball game, sit and talk about God. Ask people where God's working in their lives. Ask people where they felt most close to God during their week and, and then learn to develop that. And that's essentially what uh, creation calls us to do and what Psalm 8 calls us to do is to see God and God's majesty 
our place in the world and then understand it and revel in it. Revel in the love that God has for us. <clears throat> All right, that leads us to the deep, digging deeper section. And um, so the digging deeper section and the learning from the scripture of the church kind of come together this week. There's basically three things in which um, uh, Dr. Qualls wants to talk about. And, then, and it's uh, cosmic beauty, human dignity, and delegated responsibility. And this is a good, it's a really good lesson, good part of the lesson. Um, so he opens and writes about cosmic beauty. The psalm opens and closes with those poetic verses about the majestic name. The scripture selection uses both Lord, right, the, just the word for Lord, which was the covenant name for God. And then it also uses our Lord, which is the relational possessive designation that describes the place God holds in Israel. When reading this aloud, don't rush through it, but slow down and savor the deeper meaning, which even in English commands presence. By repeating the opening words at the end, the whole song is given a structure declaring God's sovereignty over everything. Simply put, it says God is the master, not only of us, but of all. God's name is excellent in the earth. This is not about labeling God or identifying who God is, but is meant to extol an unfathomable splendor in the essence, character, and nature of God. The holy otherness cannot be fully grasped, but can be glimpsed within creation. We are summoned to see God's glory revealed in the heavens. Quote, stare in wonder into the nothingness of the quiet star, starlit night. End quote. That was Dr. Qualls' creative writing assignments. And you will see, this is the handiwork of the Lord, our Lord, sovereign over all creation. So when we think about cosmic beauty, again, we talked a little bit about um, how we respond to it. Like the, the biggest thing, Dr. Qualls lists up that there's two different names. You have the kind of the formal name of Lord, and then you have that personal name our Lord, right? And the more I think about this, the more important it is. Um, when you look and you're you're overwhelmed with how big creation is and how insignificant you are, you could be scared, except that scripturally we it's been revealed that there is a creator who has personality, who has intentionally created all of these things so that we human beings can be God's representatives on this in this world. And God is our heavenly parent. And so that helps you redefine the grandeur of the universe when it comes to you personally. Um, so I think about this, like, you know, the, the goodness and severity of God, but, um, you, you know, growing up, parents are strict disciplinarians. Some are. And if you didn't have that relationship with them, you might see parents more as a boss than you would as a caring creature who's trying to form and shape you in the way you should go. In the same way, uh, we could see creation as this vast, emptiness of space that's harsh to where you're just living to survive a little bit. But instead, we know through Revelation that God cares for us, loves us, and has made creation for us so that we can reflect God's image in this world. Maybe like a teacher and a, and a principal. When I went to school, I loved my teachers because I communed with them and I had a relationship with them. When I got sent to the principal's office, I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't know the principal all that well. I just knew I was in trouble and the principal was not as familiar. I was not as familiar with the principal and I didn't know what I was walking into. So 
So maybe those are ways in which uh, you can think about this. God has created this big, big thing, and we're insignificant, except that God has made this big, huge world for us to reflect God's glory in relationship to him. And it's kind of amazing if you think about it that way. And then finally, that there is a purpose in creation. We're not people who think that we're, we've developed uh, mindlessly. However you think creation happened, however you think human beings got here, according to scripture, we have a purpose and creation has a purpose and it's reaching an end goal. It's not just random. Everything we do has meaning in this world and we can reflect God's glory or we run around taking care of ourselves and our own or, or whatever. Um, so then that leads us to the um, learning from the scripture section. Uh, <laughs> All right, so Dr. Qualls writes, he picks up this theme of human dignity here. He says, the affirmation of our special place in the cosmos coursing through these scriptures is equally amazing. Humanity says the psalmist, humanity says the psalmist is made a little, little lower than God and given a special place in the cosmos. So while we are in awe of creation, we are affirmed and comforted in it. And we talked about um, that just a little bit. But the important part of this is that um, Dr. Pauls goes on to write, in addition to, in addition to having a high view of God, Psalm 8 teaches us that God has a high view of us. It alters how we see ourselves and in fact, all people. Recognizing God, the glory of God's creation, the otherness of the divine being, the psalmist leads us to think more of ourselves as created beings, not less. God not only has initiated the wonderful universe, but, it all, but has also given the human creature a special place in the cosmos. So um, we're in a world today in which we are, um, we are pushing toward um, an idea of human equity or human equality. And um, I've always said that that's a pipe dream without the theology or the doctrine of people being created in the image of God. Um, the world is littered with um, examples of people. Um, well, let's put it this way. Every culture thinks that their own people are special, right? What happens is, is how you define humanity, how do you define people, how do you, how you define someone as created in the image of God. People usually don't murder unless they've, um, unless they've been able to say in their mind that these other folks, that they're inflicting harm or committing evils and atrocities are no longer human or they're not created in the image of God. That's when, uh, that's when racism, that's when oppression, that's when um, things happen, is when in your mind you can say that those folks aren't human. With the doctrine of people being created in the image of God, it takes ethnicity, it takes, uh, it takes power and pride out of the equation because the dignity of a human being isn't in skin color or it's not in worth to society like productivity it's not in power or influence it's it's almost outside of themselves and say this created thing has dignity not 
because of what they do or what they are, but because whose image they reflect. And so I think as a church, we still offer a better vision of the dignity of human beings than the world can. The world steals our ideas and places them without the foundation of theology behind it. But we have a real theology and we have real applicability for the dignity of human beings. And I don't think we should give that up. Um, so the next thing then that Dr. Qualls talks about is the delegated responsibility. We um, exist for a purpose. We're not just here because the world revolves around us. Um, and that should bring though some humility. So Dr. Qualls writes, delegated responsibility. How could David, how can we feel anything other than humility in the face of such splendor? Like when we look out and we see mountains and we see valleys and we see things that inspire awe in us about the creator, those same things apply to us. We've been made a little lower than God and we've been given this inherent dignity and we've been given these special qualities. We can reflect uh, the very nature of God to one another and that should be a humbling thing. And then it also pushes us to, to be right in this world. So Psalm 8, Dr. Qualls White, writes, magnifies and amplifies the mission critical nature of our assignment. We have received what we don't deserve. We have been privileged and we are charged to use that privilege to honor the creator and care for the creation. It is good to be awed, but we have not truly appreciated it until our lives reflect the stewardship of our privilege. And I think that is absolutely true. Like with much honor comes much responsibility. Right? And we, we uh, shortcut our human flourishing when we only care for ourselves or the things we can get. And we don't extend that reflection of the image of God to other people. And then that brings us to the applying the scripture section. And Dr. Qualls just lifts up some things that we can do. First, we learn all that we can. Like we learn about creation, we learn about everything that we possibly can, because the more we learn, the more we know about the God who created us and whose image we are created in. Um, one of the, um, let me say, one of the quotes that I've, uh, Louis Pasteur uh, said one time, he says, a little science takes you away from God, but more of it takes you to him. And I think in general, that's what knowledge does. A little bit of knowledge can mess your life up but a lot of knowledge leads you to truth. And so because of that truth, or because of that, we, we seek truth and we seek more of it. So we know more about ourselves. We know more about God. We know more about creation. Second, Dr. Qualls brings up, we must be vigilant in caring for creation. We like to think, put things in political terms, climate change or whatever else. But I don't know, but I will say this. We should care about the place in which God gave us to become fully human. And if there's a part of creation that's suffering, then we too suffer because we can't express our human, our full humanness when things aren't right. Whether it's in creation or whether it's in the human institutions of the world or whether it's in our local churches, when, when we are not caring for the things which God created or that helps us to experience our full humanity, 
then we're missing out on the delegated responsibility that God has called us to participate in or given us the responsibility to participate in. And then the last thing that Dr. Qualls brings up in the applying the scripture selection is that ultimately creation is a cause for us to worship. It's a cause for us to see a little bit more about God. Like in Romans, when Paul writes, the invisible qualities of God have been put on display through creation. And we're not worshiping this faceless God. We're not worshiping creation itself. We're worshiping the being behind creation. And so um, creation is supposed to make us think about the special place that we have and then reflect all that glory and praise back to God, both as individuals and we come together as a church or as a society, as a culture. Uh, we seek to to praise God who gave us these things and who continues to bless us with the greatest blessings. Um, blessings we can't bring up on ourselves. Uh, and ultimately, then we lead a life of worship each and every day, not just Sunday. And I'll just bring up this discussion question because I think it's a good one to start with. Maybe with your Sunday school class. What is the difference between Sunday worship and life that is worship? How do the two complement each other? In other words, how do we practice worship all the days of our lives, not just on Sunday morning? All right, I've talked your ear off this morning, but I hope that's helpful and it's a good lesson. And so may God give you deeper understanding of his word. May God give you uh, power as you teach. And may God give fellowship to your Sunday school class as y'all develop and discuss this lesson. And again, if I can help you in any way, if I can do anything to encourage your church and Christian education ways, please let me know. C Fleming at Cumberland.org. All right. Bless you.